significant, I think, for young individuals to understand what it means to be a part of the family of God. It's not just something they do and go away and come back. Like They're a part of our family, and we should make them feel like they're a part of our family as well. So for you taking notes, little ones taking notes, school-age kids taking notes, please do so. But I would challenge you, when you go up to Miss Christie afterwards to get into the prize box, she's going to ask you what stood out to you. What do these notes mean? It's not just write some words down on the page so I can go get some Sour Patch Kids or whatever it is. Well, we, we do this so that you can actually focus and, and listen to what is happening. So do that. I strongly encourage you. I'm not saying she's going to turn you away if you can't answer her questions. I would if it was me, but I'm not doing the prize box. I'm just kidding. Maybe, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Probably not. But I'm glad you guys are with us. A few other just sort of administrative things. Um, many of you were out there for the celebration, but if you didn't know, we have a new family member at Pillar Church of Oceanside. That is Alice Martin was born this morning. Tim and Michelle have a new baby girl, labored for a long time. What was the weight of that? Nine, Nine pounds? pounds three, ounces. three ounces. Yeah, buddy. Do that calculation in your in your head. That's So praise God for that. Uh, mom and baby, healthy, everything's good. So that's everything we pray for as a family. And God hears our prayers. So that's wonderful. I'm grateful for that. Um, Pastor Mike's out of town. He's on his way to Ohio, so you just have me today. But that's okay. We're still going to interact like we wouldn't normally do. So um, there's that. Also, just a shout out to the worship team kind of shifting gears this morning. Has some health issues in some of the vocal cords of our team. So Stephen stepped in last minute to jump on the team. Um, that's awesome. I love that we have that flexibility. And I just want to put out there, too, to the members of the church, if you're an actual member of the church, this will serve as your sort of official announcement that Stephen Cloer is being considered now for eldership. So we put him into the pipeline officially. So um, if you don't know him, get to know him more, but he comes to us highly qualified. Obviously, he's a, a Navy chaplain, um, has served in pastoral roles before, so this will be a, a fairly easy process for us. But um, just know that that is happening. He'll be up preaching here at the end of the month as well. And um, there are others that are coming down that pathway as well, and uh, that's exciting too because we're called to raise up leaders, and God has been gracious to bring us people that don't require a lot of raising and just equipping and sending. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just uh, just a few administrative notes as we get going this morning. So, are you ready for this morning? Yes. Good, 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 good. Okay, so we're in this new series called The Paradox of Grace. And we're going to see a little bit of that today, but I want to remind you, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago when we did the overview, these verses today, this morning, we, we went over them a little bit. And we gave a brief description of what, what was going on in Paul's life at the moment of these verses. So um, if you don't know, what was happening is Paul's living out his life as a member of, the, of, of God's team, essentially, on mission with the Great Commission. So he's in Troas, and he's preaching the gospel. A door was opened for him to do so, and so he's living that out. However, it seems that the reason he was there, in addition to preaching the gospel, was to meet his brother in the Lord, Titus. 
Titus was sent with a letter to the church in Corinth who was really struggling to get their act together. So Paul sent Titus with a letter, and now Paul is waiting in Troas to hear back how is it going. What was the response to the letter? Are things improving? And guess what? Titus isn't there. Didn't show up. So Paul's like, what's happening? (laughs) Where is Titus? Are things so bad in Corinth that they did something to him? (laughs) Did they carry out some sort of judgment on him? I mean, who knows what's happening? Well, Paul's just kind of overcome with some grief and some anxiousness. And he makes a decision to stop what he's doing and do something else instead. Because it wouldn't be unheard of for this church in Corinth to respond in some extreme sort of way to what was happening there. So he's just like, I can't continue in what I'm doing. I know God opened this door. I know I should be doing this. But man, I I just, it's not not going to happen. Essentially, I think in his mind, he's torn between being a pastor and being an evangelist. Do I go put out this fire, this little brush fire in the church? Or do I concern myself with kind of fanning into flames the embers of a new faith in new believers here in Troas? So he's kind of like going in two different directions. And if you've ever been in ministry or, or kind of leadership, we're often pulled in multiple directions at the same time. But I think one important observation I want to highlight is this. Our actions, especially our poor decisions, Corinthian church, or us, can actually pull attention and energy away from where God really wants to be working. Right? God was working through Paul in Troas. Things were happening there. But the actions of these Corinthians pulls attention and energy away from what God is doing here and shifts it. So our connection as the body of of believers is more intricately intricately connected than we realize. If somebody's acting a fool over here in Pillar Oceanside, we've got to go over here and give our attention to this. And God may be wanting to do something over here, but we're pulled over this way. You see how it's all connected. We're not all individuals just doing our own thing. We are a body together. It's just, it's not the point of the text necessarily, but I think it's important to realize that what we do in the body of Christ affects other parts of the body as well. Well, nevertheless, Paul is in this state of unrest, so he he pulls shocks and he leaves. He goes, I'm done. That's that's the setup. That's that's the context of what's happening here. So grab your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians, excuse me into chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 12, so 2 Corinthians 2, 12, and we're going to go through chapter 3, verse 3, this is what the Word of God says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest, because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 
to one, a fragrance from death to death, to the fragrance of life and life, who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Okay, so that's our text for today. I'm going to pray one more time and ask the Lord's help. God, we just thank you again for your word. We thank you for the fact that we have your instruction, we have your encouragement, we have stories of hope and faithfulness and courage, and even stories of anxiety and fear and questions and what do we do with this word and how do we apply it to our lives, God. So lead us in that this morning. God, highlight from the text through the Spirit of God what you want for each of us. God, you want us to respond to your word. We've been reading through James, and, and Father, in that you give us the instruction that if anybody looks into the word and, and, and walks away and doesn't do it, it's like somebody who looks in a mirror and, and goes the other way with forgetting what they look like. God, you want people to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So this morning, my prayer, Father, is that we would each come away from this text with something that we can apply in our lives that we might more fully serve you, more fully rely upon you, and more fully glorify you in our lives. Help us, Lord. We need it, and we ask for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you have any questions this morning, you can text them to the number that's on the screen, and I'll get up here and uh, hopefully answer those questions at the end. But feel free to interact with us in that way. So this initial story about Paul must have been tough for him, right? Challenging, uh, to say the least, right? Caused him perhaps even to ask some serious questions about God. God, what are you doing? Like, what is happening? Things seem to be falling apart around here. His faith was being tested. And I'm sure many of your faiths have been tested, and it's really an enjoyable, peaceful time when your faith is tested. There's nothing like it. It's so fun. It's going to be like that, huh? Okay. It's okay. I know Mike's not here, so um, I can't blame him. I could, but yeah. His, yeah. His faith is being tested, and he's being challenged to push through yet another trial. If you look at Paul's life, it's been one thing after the next, beatings, imprisonments, shipwrecked, all these things, and now he's going like, here we go again. Like, do I have what it takes to push through this thing again? But what's awesome is we have in this story a great demonstration of what faithfulness looks like. And so if you're a note taker, I've titled the sermon this morning, Refining Faith. Refining Faith, the Fruits of Endurance. Refining Faith, the Fruits of Endurance. I don't always title sermons, but today I was like, let's do it. So think about that. Refining Faith. Anytime you refine something that is of value, think about precious metals, gold, and things of that nature, what do you have to do to refine it? you got to put it under tremendous heat, pressure, these kinds of things that bring out the impurities and get swept off. So refining faith means a faith that's being tested under trial, under file, under pressure. 
But then we get to the other part of the, the title, the fruit of endurance. What comes on the other side of being refined and persevering through it and being able to enjoy and participate in the, the faithfulness of God as he produces fruit in us? So here's the first point in this idea. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of uncertainty, we must have a conquering faith. We've got to have a conquering faith. Look at what he does. He describes this situation where he's distraught and, and leaves. And then the very next words out of his mouth there in verse 14, but thanks be to God. Interesting, right? My life's falling apart. I don't know what's happening. My friend is gone. I, I, I'm leaving. <laughs> but thanks be to God. What? Why, Paul? Well, he, he tells us, because keep reading in verse 14, because he always leads us in triumphal procession. The simple point is this. Even when we can't see, I would say especially when we can't see it, God is at work. He is at work because our faith tells us that God is in control. Even when things are uncomfortable, they're illogical, they just don't add up, our faith tells us that God is in control. Many of you in this room have made a decision to go a certain way down this path, and you're like, yes, this is it, I see it, and then boom, a door is slammed in your face, and you're like, what just happened? No discernible path forward, and you're just sitting there going, God, I thought I was going the right way, and now what? 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 Anybody been there? Yeah, it happens. And then we have a choice to make in that moment. It's here where God is actually refining our faith. And it's always for a purpose. So the ideal response we have here in, in the text, we respond with a conquering faith. That's what Paul says. He says, thanks be to God who always leads us in victory. Now that victory will probably almost always look different than you want it to be. <laughs> It will look different than you expected it to be, but God is always working all things together for our good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, who are called to live in obedience to what his plan is and not ours. That's what he tells us in Romans. And the example that Paul uses in this whole process is, is really fascinating. In fact, I think it's something that we, we probably just blow right past because we don't really have a working knowledge of a lot of these things in, in the the history of that generation, that time. And the imagery he uses is that of a Roman triumphant victory procession. Now, most of us probably lack an intimate knowledge of a Roman triumphant victory procession. Anybody a scholar, a expert in these kinds of things? Can you come up and share a little bit? No? Yeah, I, I didn't either. I'm like, okay, whatever. Just blow past it. But if we look a little bit at what Paul is talking about here and look a little bit at the history, I think it's going to help us really grab a hold of the point of what Paul's trying to make. So I'm going to read the portion of the text again that we're talking about here and give you a little bit of a background. So uh, we're looking at verses 14 through the beginning of verse 16. He says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphant, triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere, for we are the aroma of Christ to God, and among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Now, when you read that, you're like, okay, cool. 
procession, aromas, life, death. What is that? What? Okay, what do you mean, Paul? Well, let me give you the historical context. So when a Roman general would return from a victorious battle, a couple things would happen. They would give this special tribute, this sort of parade, this procession through the streets of Rome. A couple of things had to happen, though. That victory had to be on foreign soil. That victory had to have a certain amount of foreign casualties. I think the magic number was like 5,000. It had 5,000 minimum foreign victories. And a new territory would have to be taken for the kingdom. So if you got all three, the trifecta, then you got this incredible triumphant procession. Sounds pretty cool, right? The only thing that comes to my mind is the New York ticker tape parade. You guys have seen these, right? You've seen the, the historical, give me the historical photo of the ticker tape parade. This is like, that looks like a nightmare to clean up. <laughs> but look at the, I mean, just, there's no question that there's a celebration happening. There's one more picture of a more modern one. We actually see how many people show up. Like, everybody's there. There's massive celebration. It is wild and out of control. So this is what I think of when I think of this kind of thing. So there are some similarities, but there are a lot of dissimilarities between what we're talking about in Rome and the ticker tape parade. For example, the victorious general in this procession would sit atop this huge golden chariot and he'd have all of his commanders around him. Then they'd have on display all the spoils of the, of the battle. All the things that they took and claimed as theirs, they would all be out there on, on display. And then they would take the captives of whoever they defeated, and they would have them in tow on display as well. Nice picture, right? Now we start to get to some of the context here. In the very front, leading the procession, were the priests who were burning incense to honor the victorious army. right? So there's this aroma coming behind the procession. You got that picture in your head? At the end of the procession, it would conclude at the Circus Maximus, where all of those captives would fight wild animals to the death, entertaining the Roman citizens. Now, hopefully you're thinking like, What does this have to do with me and my walk and facing challenges and tribulations and trials and all that stuff? One scholar says it this way. Jesus Christ is our great commander, our general, if you will. And he came to foreign soil, which is this earth, completely defeating the enemy, which is Satan. And instead of killing a certain number of people, he gave life to an untold number of people across time. Jesus also claimed the spoils of battle, the lost souls who had been in bondage and sin to Satan. Quite the victory. Now, the victorious general's sons would actually walk behind their father's chariot and share in his celebration, in his victory. And that's where believers are today, following in Christ's triumph. Now, the incense burned by the priest had two effects. The triumphant victors, to them, the scent meant life and victory. But to the conquered army, it meant defeat and death. That's quite a picture, isn't it? 
It's, it's a beautiful display of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the good news about Christ. But it's also a demonstration of the reality of what these verses mean. What are they communicating? That our lives, yours and mine, how we live, what we say, what we do to others, in God's eyes, is meant to be a fragrant aroma to those who are lost, to those who are perishing. Now, of course, not all are going to receive such things, and to them it will be a foul odor, as the text tells us. But that's not our concern, nor our responsibility of how they receive it. In other words, just live your life in obedience to Christ, and with his help, be a fragrant aroma. I like using the language of being compelling instead of being repelling. That's the kind of similarity in language there. But how people receive that is out of your control. However, the language here in this text does put some weight to the issue. The Christian life and ministry, they're matters of life and death. It's this important, important stuff. The way that we live and the way that we work and have our being reflect life and death to a lost world. And so when you think about it like that, it makes sense that Paul's follow-up thought in verse 16b is... Who's sufficient for this kind of work? Like, you're telling me that my life is to be an aroma and life and death are hanging in the balance? Who is sufficient for these kinds of things? That's a crazy important job. Who am I to do this? Maybe you've thought that yourself. Who knows? Well, Paul gives us the answer in the very next couple of verses that we didn't read yet, but I'm going to read them to you. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. Who is sufficient for us, this work? Not us. Not, not apart from Christ. You know, all of this is setting the tone for what I told you is my favorite chapter in all the Bible. And I don't think I told you what chapter it is. It doesn't really matter. But we're going to get there pretty soon. It's all going to come to pass in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which, yes, is my favorite chapter in the Bible. <laughs> and we're going to get into deep detail there of what this life, this aroma, is supposed to look like and what it looks like to live on mission. But for now, know that God is making his appeal through us as ministers of reconciliation being the sweet aroma of life. And, let me ask you this, where are we to spread this sweet scent of truth and life according to verse 14? Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. That means every where? Every place. Through us which is the next point. We're commissioned for such things. Paul says, who's sufficient for such things? Well, with God working through us and in us, we are. And verse 16 reminds us, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. That's awesome. I love that. But hopefully you see that this is not, as they say, a humble brag. Check me out. I am... I've been called to do this work. I'm sufficient in Christ. I got it all together. Look at me. 
That's not what you should see when you see this. We're not some elite, spiritual, awesome people. With Christ we are, but on our own, no. And so Paul starts to ask in chapter 3, verse 1, are we commending ourselves again? Like, are, are we starting to, to take credit or, or get ahead of ourselves in some way? And, and not in the slightest. That's not what he's doing at all. Because it's not about us. It's about the work that God does in us and through us as evidenced by the fruit produced in us and through us. That's the key in all of this. So what Paul's doing here is he's drawing a dividing line between us and them. Not us and them, but the us and them. The people of God who are trying to minister. And then this other group of people that's proclaiming that salvation requires Jesus and good works. Like you need Jesus. You got, that's part one. But part two is you got to earn it by doing all of these things. Is that true? Okay. Just making sure we're on the same page. We've, we've, like, we've definitely pounded that one many times with the hammer over and over again. By grace, through faith, alone. That's it. Period. We do not add anything to that. And so he's going to spend, Mike's going to come next week and look at the rest of chapter 3, where he's going to kind of hammer home the difference between the old and the new. Like, yeah, you had to do things under the old system to kind of get there. The new system is not like that. Through Christ... No, it all comes from the Lord, and we'll get there next week. So we're commissioned for these things. And would you believe it that the things that God's commissioned us to are actually difficult? can be pretty challenging as we're living it out day to day. And so when we're in the fire, having our faith refined, let God prevail as in control. Because sometimes when the, the flames are, are, are running pretty hot and you're looking around and you're like, I don't know what's happening right now. I just feel like crawling in a hole and just waiting it out. Like in that moment, let the refinement of your faith, God prevail as in control. God, I don't, I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know what's happening. But I believe that you are in control. My faith tells me that you are working all this together for my good and for your glory. And let God be the standard by which things are judged. And that's the next point that I want to focus on this morning. Is that God is the measuring rod for ministry success. God's the measuring rod for ministry success. So here's these false teachers, which Paul identifies in other places as the Judaizers. They come with these letters written by, quote-unquote, important people. Okay? So bringing letters of recommendation, of, of whatever, <laughs> to prove that I'm worthy of being here in this place, as a credential or proof that they are, I'm going to say it, I always do, the cat's meow. The, the bomb.com. Whatever modern day version of that there is out there, I don't know. Clearly, I don't know. But you understand what I'm saying. They're it. We are, we are it. As far as the religious elite, right here. Here's the letters. 
You ever know any people who rely on their position or credentials to prove their worth or value? I know it doesn't ever happen in the military, but sometimes in the civilian sector. So Paul sets the record straight. We don't need letters from important people that verify that our ministry is powerful and effective. You, Corinthian church, you're all the evidence we need. Look at your lives, transformed, made new. That's all we need. We don't need letters from other people. We need transformed lives. That's all the evidence we need. God is the measuring rod for ministry success. Not what other people say. Not even what you say about what's happening. God's standard for success. And when I say ministry success, let me clarify by saying I mean everyone who does ministry in this Christian life. And who is that? Who does ministry? Thank you. Thank you for that. I was really going to be disappointed if not a lot of people said that. Every Christian in this room does ministry. As far as I know, there's only a couple of people that actually do this as a vocation in this room. And none of them are you, except for a couple that wear the uniform and crosses on them. And myself. The rest of you are just full-time ministers. But you don't get paid for it. Vocational ministry means I get paid. This is my job. This is Brandon's job, Stephen's job. Anybody else that's a chaplain in the military or gets paid for that. The rest of you are just full-time ministers. That make sense? A lot of people think, oh, full-time ministry, that means you're getting paid. No, no, no. We're all full-time ministers. Some of us get paid for it. That's the only difference. But we all continue to live this out. AKA being the sweet aroma to the world around us. That's you and me doing ministry by being that aroma. God making his appeal to the lost through you and through me. Sound like too much pressure? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it does. Well, when pressure is applied in life, particularly in the service of the Lord, God must prevail as the one who is in control. God, you got this because I don't. I know you called me to do this, and apart from you, I can do nothing. Help me. (laughs) And let you, God, be the measure of success. Not what other people say, not what I dream about, not what I hope happens, but God as the measuring rod. And so here's a few things to remember for us as we kind of wrap things up. God always leads us in triumphant victory. So stay the course. If you believe that God is in control and he leads us in triumphant victory, stay the course. The next thing, we are the sweet aroma of Christ. So you should aim to smell good. In life and in body odor. That's for the little ones in the room. You should seek to smell good. We are not sufficient for these things in and of ourselves, but in Christ we are. And in the end, what matters most is lives being transformed by the gospel and not a list of things that we've done. So I'm going to close by asking you this question. 
in two parts. How is God refining your faith right now? What are ways that you feel those flames that God is bringing heat or pressure, trials in your life to refine your faith? And then what kind of fruit can you expect as you endure through the hardship? Because remember, our faith is being refined for a purpose, but we also work through these trials to see fruit for God's kingdom to be played out in front of us. In, in Paul's case, he endures this trial, eventually goes back to Troas and has tremendous ministry there. We see many people come to faith. So there's fruit there. Maybe in your life, you're right now you're like, I know I'm supposed to be going down this path. At this job, I'm supposed to be here. i got to stay the course, but it's really hard. I don't see right now the significance or value that I bring to the table or what God is doing. But I know that he's called me to it. I'm going to push through, and I expect that there's going to be some fruit from it. I'm going to have the opportunity to be a witness. I'm going to have the opportunity to grow in my faith. Whatever it is, go with expectation. Ask God, what do you want me to grow in? What can I look for? Have you ever prayed that before? Would you give me a glimpse, God, of what is to come? If you've never prayed that before, pray it. God rarely gives us the full picture, but he'll often give us glimpses. God, just give me a peek at what I'm trudging through. What is this all for? Just give me enough to continue to step down that path one more step. So what is it that God is refining your faith through right now, and what kind of fruit can you expect as you come through the other side that you might give glory to God more fully? Because that's why... He gives us it in the first place. The victory is ours that we might bring glory to him. That's what I got for you today. So God is faithful. Let's pray. Jesus, we know that you're faithful. We see evidence of that time and again in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, in your word. And so, God, I do pray that this morning you would help each of us to examine our lives and see the areas that are coming under pressure. They're in the fire. Through whatever reasons or, or circumstances or means. Could be, Lord, that by your grace we're coming out the other side. And we're beginning to see the buds on the tree and fruit beginning to, to emerge. I praise you for that, God. Could be that we're just coming into a season where we're not quite sure how things are going to go. We don't really know what this looks like. And Lord, oftentimes, it's not until we're in those moments where we truly go all in for you. Like there's a desperation where we can't do it without you, Lord. But the truth is, as Stephen prayed earlier, we need you all the time. There's, there's not a moment of the day where we can do it the way that you would have us to do it on our own. So God, refine our faith and help us to experience the fruit of perseverance. And God, I'd even add that if we never saw any fruit in this life, it would still be worth all that we go through, putting our faith and trust in you because you get the glory for it. But thank you that you have a plan 
for our lives. And thank you that you include us in your great commission to know you make you known. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We ask these things in your name, Lord. Amen. All right, let's sing a song.